Nicole, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 216. And if you're caught up on the main episode, you know I'm fucking sick again for the hundred millionth time because, well, I have a shit immune system. But you sound so much better. By the end of that episode, you were like a frog croaking when you talked. Well, because like behind the fourth wall, we recorded on Friday. It was really a day late for us, but Friday night after we recorded and Saturday were awful. Like, I'm so glad I went to the doctor before we recorded. Enough chatter. Let's jump on in. This one's called Mama Get the Gun. Hey, Donna and Carrie, I'm still binging and not caught up, but I'm not complaining. I have no idea what I will do when I get completely caught up on the regular episodes, Sinister Sightings, and all the extras on Patreon, and I am here for all of it. Okay, on to my story. Picture it. It's around late 1994 in a small East Texas town called Perryville. My family basically lived in a cabin in the woods. Okay, it wasn't really a cabin. It was a cute little house, but it was seriously in the middle of the thick, piney woods of East Texas. Mom and dad, 17-year-old me, my twin sisters who are four years younger than me, and our wiener dog, Junior, all lived together in a little three-bedroom, two-bath with a view of the woods. There were a few other houses in the area we all lived in, and the houses that were around were all spaced so far apart that you couldn't see any of them in the daytime. I'm talking you can't see another living soul anywhere out in these woods. No streetlights, extremely dark, eerily quiet, daggum creepy. One night, my dad, who was a pastor for most of my life, was at a meeting in the next town, which is about 15 miles down the road. This left us girls and Junior at home in the woods, in the dark, by ourselves. It was probably around 9 p.m., and me being the old soul that I am, even at 17, had gone to bed to read a book. More than likely a Nancy Drew book. I love those things. I'm snuggled up in bed under my big snuggly blanket with my snuggly wiener dog, Junior, who always slept with me. Suddenly, I'm awakened to my sister's frantic whisper at my door. Candy, wake up. Someone's at our window. I groggily say, what? They whisper it a bit louder. Someone's at our window scratching on it. Get up. Startled awake and completely creeped out at this point, I pull my covers up to my chin and shakingly say, no. After a quick moment, though, I realize that I'm a sitting or laying duck if the bad guy breaks in. So I jump out of bed, grab Junior the wiener dog, and run into the living room where my mom and sisters are frightenedly huddled. This was before everyone had cell phones, so there was no way to really get in touch with my dad. So we all sat there contemplating what we should do. My mom finally decides that she needs to go into my sister's room to investigate, and we all scramble into a big conga line down the hall to their bedroom. She apprehensively pokes her head through their door with the three of us girls crowded up around her like baby possums on their mama's back, wide-eyed and listening. Sure enough, there it was, the scratching. It sounded like someone was cutting through the screen on my sister's windows. We couldn't see out. It was nothing but black as far as the eye could see. We all breathlessly ran back into the living room and someone suggested that we all go pile into the car and head into town and find my dad. All of us are scared to death to even open the front door and even more petrified to make the trek from our front porch to where our car was parked in the driveway. We had to cross about 75 feet into the darkness, putting our backs to a corner of the house around which was my sister's window and the person trying to get in. We all felt extremely helpless and vulnerable. I suddenly get the idea and say loudly, Mama, go get the gun, so that the person trying to get in the window would know that we at least had a weapon in the house. Forget any of us knowing how to load or shoot said gun, but the intruder hopefully didn't know that. Me and Junior with my sister standing beside me are getting ready to bolt out of our front door. 
We're standing there too scared to even blink when out of my parents' room waddles my five foot nothing mama carrying my dad's biggest shotgun. I don't know about guns, but we've always called it the elephant gun because it's so big and long. I'm talking about the gun, Donna. This thing was as long as my mom is tall and she was carrying it all awkwardly in both hands, hauling it with her to the front door. We stood there, elephant gun packing mama, my scared shitless twin sisters, and me with my wiener dog, Junior. We hatched out the plan that as soon as we opened the front door, we would all run as fast as we could to the car, jump in, and lock the doors. We flung open the front door, and all of our stomachs fell out of our butt. This was it. We had to cross the dark, empty nothingness to reach the safety of the car with the evil, murderous intruder hot on our heels. That is how it felt, times a thousand. We all bolted off the porch, jumping off the three-foot clearance to the ground and ran like our lives depended on it to our little car. We slung up in the car doors. I jumped in the passenger side, my sisters into the back, and my mama jumped in the driver's seat, gun in tow. Whatever way she was holding that monstrosity of a gun kept us from closing the two front car doors. So she took the gun and tossed it over our heads into the back seat into my sister's lap. Don't worry, it wasn't loaded. None of us even knew how to load the stupid thing. We drove into town and found my dad in the church parking lot talking to one of the men as they were getting ready to leave. We pulled in and called out to my dad all nonchalantly to come over to the car. He looked confused but walked over to the passenger side of the window and I whispered, Dad, there's someone trying to get in the girl's room at the house. He looked even more wide-eyed and confused and said, what? We all start talking over one another, trying to explain that we were all in danger. And I finally said, dad, just come home. Someone is out there trying to get into our house. He tells his friends he's got to head to the house. So finally, we all make the track back to the murder house. Uh, I mean, our home in the deep, dark woods with a murderous, bloodthirsty guy breaking into my sister's bedroom window. We all pull up to our house at the same time. Mama, my sisters, me, Junior, all just sit in the car, staring at the deceptively innocent-looking home, just sitting there in the dark. My dad gets out and walks around the perimeter of the house. We hold our breath as he goes out of sight, and then finally exhale as he reappears around the other side, shaking his head and shrugging his shoulders. He tells us that there's no one there, and it doesn't look like anyone had messed with any of the screens on the windows. We all apprehensively got out of the car and walk in the house behind my dad, who starts chuckling to himself when he sees our little mama carrying the massive gun. Dad looks through the house and gives us the all clear. So we all try to go back to our regular scheduled normal night. My parents sitting and talking in the living room, me and Junior the wiener dog in bed with a book and my sisters back in their room. After only about 10 minutes, the girls come tearing out of their room screaming, they're back, they're back, they're trying to get in our window. Oh God, here we go again and now we're all going to die. My parents run into the girls room. I jump out of my bed yet again, carrying Junior and also go into their room. If we're going down, we're all going down together. The girls are huddled in the doorway of the bedroom, too scared to even step in the room again. Dad goes over to the window and throws open the blinds, looking out to the darkness and not seeing a soul there. Just endless, dark woods. We all stood there, quietly, waiting, listening. Then we hear it. There was a ch-ch-ch that sounds like something scratching on the screen of the window. We all freeze and looked at each other, puzzled, eyes wide, mouths agape. And then there it was again, ch-ch-ch. Immediately, my eyes dart around the room. Being the avid Nancy Drew reader and amateur sleuth I was, I began slowly walking around the room to investigate. There it was. The analog butterfly clock hanging on my sister's wall. The battery had gone dead and the second hand, which was a little butterfly on it, was stuttering back and forth between the seconds. 
Needless to say, we all died laughing in relief. We were saved. No cannibalistic East Texas backwoods hillbilly was trying to break in and slaughter us all. It was only a clock and my sister's wildly overactive imagination that threw us girls into an all-out fight-or-flight mode. We were all duped by the butterfly clock, except Junior. I'm pretty sure he thought we were all nuts. R.I.P. Junior in 2007. Creep it real and don't get scared. Candy J from Texas. I'm glad y'all figured out what that was, though. Yes, and I love your writing style. I was right there in it. Also, I was an avid Nancy Drew reader as well. Oh my goodness. And you know me so well because I literally was about to make a comment and you're like talking about the gun, Donna. Like, well, shit. Donna like leans forward to her mic to say something and sits right back. You steal my thunder just like Carrie does. (laughs) Oh, and yeah, Junior probably would have been freaking out had someone actually been outside. Right. Meanwhile, he's just like living his best life, like getting carried around. (laughs) Yes. Okay, the next one. This is Still Dumbfounded. Hi, girls. I'm a newer listener and love your podcast. I've been binge listening and still way behind episode 25, but I've cheated and listened to a few of the new episodes to catch up on your lives in the present. Congrats, Carrie, on your wedding. You ladies keep me laughing, make my kind of jokes, and like many others, it feels as if I'm right there with you, part of your posse while I'm listening. Anyhow, when I was 15, my grandmother passed away. She was the most amazing woman. She raised six children and had 17 grandchildren. Every one of us felt like we were her favorite. She just had a way of showing how she loved you in a very special way. I'm one of the younger cousins, lucky number 13, and the oldest cousins were closer to my parents' age than mine. I'm 37 and my oldest cousin is almost 61. I always looked up to them and loved when the big girls would let me play with them. I adored and admired them but never really thought it was odd that they were so much older than I was or wondered why that might be. I never noticed anything to indicate that their relationship with our grandparents was any different than mine. This is relevant background information, I promise. One day, when I was at least 10 or maybe even older, I heard my auntie call my grandpa Eights, which was short for Adolf. I asked my dad why she didn't call him dad, and that's when I learned that my grandma had been married twice divorced, not widowed, and that my oldest uncle and two aunts were her children from her first marriage, and my dad and remaining two uncles were my grandpa's sons. I was blown away, but didn't ask any more about it. I just thought it was awesome that our family was so close. I had no idea my family was a blended family. Fast forward a few years, my grandpa passed away, and several months later, we lost my grandmother too. The family had to prepare their house to be sold. My grandparents bought this house when my father was a baby and had lived there ever since. I remember really wanting something on my grandma's that was special or meant something to her, but being one of 17 grandkids in a line after six children, I didn't think I'd find anything that wasn't already claimed or left to a specific person. I arrived at their house and my aunts and uncles were busy organizing and sorting things. I told my aunt about my desire to find something special of grandma's. She told me to go look in her room and let them know if I come across anything I wanted. I went into her room and opened the top drawer in her dresser. Right on top was a small white box. I opened the box and inside found a three-strand champagne-colored pearl necklace. 
I brought it out and showed my aunt and she asked where I found this. When I told her where it was, she looked absolutely shocked and said, I went through her whole room and I never saw that in there. I put all her lighters and other random things in that top drawer and that definitely wasn't in there. Maybe she wants you to have it. So I got to keep the necklace, which is so special to me and way more than I ever dreamed I'd get from her. Since nobody had seen it before I found it or known where it came from, I wonder where she got something so beautiful and imagined what occasions she may have worn it. A few weeks later, I had a dream that our whole family was at grandma's house for dinner. All of a sudden, my grandparents come in the front door, which was weird because even in my dream, we all knew they were dead, but it was like we all knew they were coming and nobody was freaked out by them being there. We had a normal family gathering that felt like a special holiday or a celebration, and suddenly my grandpa says, okay, Irene, it's time to go. He takes her hand and they're walking toward the door, and I remember the necklace and say, grandma, wait, where did you get that necklace? She turns around, smiles, and says, Davy gave it to me, then turns back around and follows my grandpa toward the door as I try to get her attention, asking, Grandma, who's Davy? Grandma! But she never looked back at me, just followed my grandpa out the door, her hand in his, and I woke up. It was time for me to get ready for school, so I got up and ready, then went to the kitchen where my dad was reading the paper. He said, good morning, and I said, who's Davy? He looked confused and was like, what are you talking about? So I told him about my dream and that grandma said Davy gave her the necklace. My heart stopped when he told me that Davy was her first husband. I hope you enjoyed this. It's my favorite story ever and makes me feel just that much closer to grandma knowing that she came to say goodbye and answer that burning question about where the necklace came from. I miss her so much and feel so blessed to share the existence of this amazing woman with all of y'all. Creep it real, ladies. Love, Becca. Your grandma sounds like my grandma, my mom's mom, because she was such a woman before her time, too. She'd gotten married, like, in the early 40s and then was like, um, fuck this because uh, he's not going to treat me like this. Grew up with a dad that told me what to do and what to wear and where to go, and my husband's not going to do it. And so they had had a kid together, and she divorced him and was living her life as a single mom and then ended up marrying my grandpa, and they had my mom. But, like, good for you, grandma. I'm not saying that it was a bad relationship with your, your grandma, but, like, my grandma, way before her time, getting divorced in the 40s was unheard of. And she for sure wanted you to find that because if she's already been through the drawer, your aunt and then put other stuff in the drawer, and then that was on top, Uh uh-uh. That was yours. And I'm glad that they let you keep it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Hey, girls, fellow Hattiesburger here. We live in Hattiesburg, in case you're new to the podcast and you don't know what the hell they're talking about. But also, hey, I just started listening, and I love y'all. Y'all help these long work days go by fast. I'm literally laughing out loud on my desk while listening to the podcast. I also wanted to say thank you. Thank you for showing everyone that us Mississippians aren't all ignorant. Most of us are just country bumpkins with love in our hearts. So growing up, my daddy worked offshore. I wanted to go ahead and apologize. In my head, I have like 12 tabs open and then I'll open the new tab and go back to a different tab. And that's how I talk and it's also how I write. When I was about four or five, my papa passed away, my mom's dad. Every time my daddy went out for his hitches, two weeks on and two weeks off, he left for two weeks, we smelled cigarette smoke. Side note, my mama didn't smoke, neither did my older sister, I didn't, you know, being a young kid and hashtag asthma life, hashtag puff puff, we would get a whiff. Thanks to Paul Paul for not giving your girl an asthma attack. I digress. It always made us feel safe. Hey girls, I'm here till your dad gets back. As soon as my daddy got back home, no whiffs of cigarette smoke till he left again. 
My dad passed away when I was 19. I took it so hard. He was literally my best friend and we were actually in the process of me becoming his kidney donor. He had a heart attack, took him to the hospital and he needed triple bypass. Everything went good. He was going to get to move to a regular room the next day out of ICU. That night, I went home and I woke up crying and freaking out. I called my mama who stayed in the hospital and I said, something's wrong with daddy. She's telling me, no baby, he's fine. They would have come out and told me. She finally got me calmed down after much reassurance that everything was fine. Turns out it wasn't. Apparently at that time, he coded. His heart stopped and he quit breathing. He was without oxygen for seven minutes and he was brain dead. He made his wishes well known. If something ever happened and he was brain dead, don't leave him on the ventilator. We made a decision to take him off. Worst day of my life. So about a week had passed. Of course, I've been having a hard time sleeping and staying asleep. I cried so much that I had whelps under my eyes. I actually piled up in my parents' bed on my daddy's side. I woke up to this crazy, intense, beautiful light. I saw my daddy standing there. I screamed, Daddy! He told me, Baby girl, that's what he primarily called me. I'm okay. I'm in a better place and I'm not hurting anymore. I love you. I suddenly felt a peace and was able to get some sleep. I promise you this was not a dream. I've had vivid dreams before. This was not. I honestly believe God allowed my daddy to say goodbye to me to assure me that he was okay. I told my mama about this the next day. She smiled and said, your pawpaw did the same thing to me after he passed. She described the light and it matched everything I had experienced. Something to know about my mama, she has dreams that actually come true. If y'all would like to hear about how my mama's dream saved my friend from wrecking her car, let me know. Much love, T. My dad called me baby girl too. Didn't notice it until Colby pointed it out. He's like, something about him always calling me baby girl. And I was like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and he was like, yes, he does. And I was like, oh my God, he really, wait, he really does. Yeah. Well, that makes it awkward that I like my dad used to call me baby oh, girl. Oh God, I knew that's where it was going. <laughs> Also, hey, neighbor, and the hashtag asthma life, hashtag puff puff, I was cracking up over here. Even if it was a dream, it doesn't mean that it wasn't your dad coming to say something to you or anything like that. You know, it doesn't make it less real. I'm not saying it was a dream. I'm just saying like. No, I get what you're saying. I wholeheartedly believe that you experienced that. Also, I smell smoke sometimes too, and I attribute that to my mom, even though she had quit smoking a while before she passed away. So I'm like, I wonder if that really is her though, because I smell it like just random times. It's not really cigarette smoke. It's like a weird, maybe stale or something. It's just a weird smell. So like, meanwhile, I have another ghost and I'm just like, oh, mama's thinking of me. Okay, the next one. This one is called Spirit Kid in the Closet. Hello, ladies. Love the show. Thanks for doing what you do and how you do it. I wish I had a friendship in my life like you two have. This is a story of what I think is a spirit kid in the closet of my childhood home. I sent you guys the story of the haunted house my dad and his girlfriend rented and that she invited the little spirit kids to go with us when we moved. I also sent you the story of the bathroom joker. Well, I think the spirit kid in the closet is one of the kids from the haunted house. Anyway, my room as a kid was always super cold. It was a small house and we had a wood stove that kept all the rooms, except mine, warm, even though I left the door open. My room had a closet that had no door on it. My mom put a dresser in it, one of those dressing tables with a big mirror on top. I started seeing a child-sized shadow person moving in front of that mirror at night. Clothes on hangers would move. I could see and hear the hangers and clothes moving. I tried hanging a sheet over the doorless doorway, and that helped because I couldn't see the shadow person, but I still had to watch the sheet move as something behind it moved about, and I could still hear it. We couldn't put anything electronic in the closet because it would turn on by itself. 
My parents got me a boombox. This was the 80s. Yeah, I'm getting old. And it kept turning on full blast. My parents' room was on the other side of the wall from the closet, and they kept getting more and more angry that I kept turning on the boombox. I kept insisting it wasn't me. Soon, me and my mom were both in angry tears. My mom ripped the cord out of the wall and yelled at me to not plug it back in. Well, it still came on, full volume, blasting rock and roll. My mom stormed in, threw it to the floor, ripped out the batteries, and yelled at me again. I was shocked and terrified, and I laid awake the rest of the night. The next day, I quietly put the batteries back in. Sure, they were dead. And sure enough, they were. I put the boombox in the garage and refused to bring it back to my room. Other things happened to me in that room. Things would disappear, like the time my school notebook disappeared. I needed it for school. I tore apart my room looking for it. I knew it had been taken and would show up in a few days, but I couldn't wait that long. So I told the spirit out loud that this isn't funny. I needed the notebook and I would leave the room. When I came back, I needed to find the notebook there. I left the room, counted to 10, went back in, and the notebook was laying in the middle of the wide open, uncluttered floor. Other things, I could feel someone grab my feet while sleeping, bump, push, or otherwise shake my bed, waking me up. I'd sometimes feel someone sitting on the edge of my bed. Thinking it was my mom, I'd look. I'd see the edge of the bed pressed down as if someone was sitting there, but no one was there. I'd lay frozen in terror, and eventually the weight would lift, and I'd actually see the edge of the bed bounce back up. Well, when I was 17, I had some things happen that made me feel like my life was over. I was having a meltdown in my room during the daytime, sitting on my bed, crying my eyes out when the closet noises started up. Clothes moving, hangers rattling, paper rustling, closet doors knocking together. I talked my mom into putting doors on, the kind that hang from a track in the ceiling so they could swing and knock together. I was pretty tired of being terrified, woken up multiple times a night and having my things taken or moved, and at that moment, it was the worst it had ever been. I started to get really, really scared, but in my already meltdown level teenage emotional state, it turned into anger. I started screaming at the closet. Thank God I was alone in the house at the time, unloading years of terror and frustration. I was angry that it scared me. I was angry that it never listened to me. I was tired of being scared of the dark at 17. I screamed, stop and leave me alone over and over until the noises stopped. I flopped down on the bed with my back to the closet, telling myself I wasn't afraid. While I laid there, I heard a couple of papers rustle in the closet. I started denying it was real. I said out loud, it was just a mouse. A hanger rattled. The closet door knocked together. And I said out loud, it's just a breeze. Then I heard something behind me. Footsteps on the carpet. At the same time, I got the most intense feeling of being watched. I heard someone breathing. I was absolutely frozen in fear. The room got suddenly really cold, colder than usual. I got goosebumps and I started to shiver. The slow footsteps and breathing got closer and closer, right up to the edge of my bed. And someone touched me. A finger poked me in the middle of the back. I swear my whole body jumped three feet off the bed. I flipped over, I think while I was three feet in the air, and there was nothing and no one there. I think the spirit heard me though, and it was just telling me, hey, I'm real. I'm here. But it was much quieter after that. It rarely woke me up anymore. Didn't hardly make any noise. And it didn't take important things anymore. 
I have since moved away and still stay in that room sometimes when I visit. I always make sure that the closet is closed. I don't hear noises anymore, but sometimes wake up with that intense feeling of being watched. But after a few minutes, the feeling goes away and I go back to sleep. Thanks for letting me tell my story. Creep it real and don't get scared. Lolly. I feel like it's always a ghost or something and the person that it's happening to always gets in trouble. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, it's really not me that's making (laughs) this noise. Also, this just tells you how much of an impression you made because when you were talking about the story that you had told before, Carrie was nodding her head. She does not remember things, okay? For her to remember that, like, I'm just saying. Also, I feel like it was a kid for sure because, you know, when you play with a kid and you're like, oh, it's a mouse. And it's like, nah, that's me. But, you know, you just keep going and they're like, no, it's me. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. Okay, the next one. Haunted mom, question mark. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I'm Jessica. I'm from the crazy state of Kentucky. And yes, you read my subject right. I'm not positive, but my sister and I are pretty sure my mom is haunted. So I have a couple of stories that kind of confirm that she is. Story one. When I was around 13-ish, my mom lived in a really creepy old house. But I lived with my dad, so I was only there every other weekend. Well, anyway, my little sister was at her dad's, so it was just me and my mom at her house. We decided to take a trip to my aunt's house to visit. Not planning on staying all day, we didn't turn on any lights to get into the house. Well, anyway, we get closer to home, and the house was aglow. So I start getting very nervous. We walk up to the house and every light was on. And when I say every light, I mean every light was on. Even the random junk room light, bathroom we didn't use was on, closet lights. So me freaking out, my mom calm. So we walked together to turn off all the lights. I didn't let my mom get far away from me. Then this crazy lady decided that in the dead of the night to go feed our outside dog. So I went with her. As we were walking down the sidewalk to get to the dog, I hear a female whisper, Jessica, in my ear. I yell, what the fuck, and turn around. Being 13, my mom was more worried about the cussing, not who or what whispered my name in my ear. We walk on to the dog, who was very active. He barked and jumped and ran all the time. Well, not that night. He was dead staring at the house. He didn't even move when my mom and I walked up on him. I told my mom that even the dog is freaked out. My mom, still calm, just looked at me and said, It's good spirits. They do stuff like this for me all the time. Let me just say that I didn't like staying at my mom's house. Not just that house. Every house she's ever lived in has scared the shit out of my sister and I. My sister has a story of seeing an old woman in a hallway in another house, which I hated that house, but that's another story. Just wanted to tell you guys you're doing great. Love hearing all the stories. Thanks y'all, Jessica. Okay, definitely want to hear the other stories. Also, I don't know if we said this, but the last person had said... Like, let me know if you want to hear about my mom's dreams, how they helped save my friend's life or whatever. Uh, Yeah, we want to hear that too. Yeah, we always want to hear it. Your mom sounded like, like like a creepy person in the movie that's like, what? They're good spirits. The one that's like, don't mind them. They're my friends. (laughs) Like she's seen some shit. She's been through some shit. No, she's possessed. (laughs) She's staring past you, not looking at you. She's staring straight through you because she's haunted. Okay, the next one. Pregnant and haunted. Okay, so I think this person wrote in before and I think I remember this, but they just start off kind of like going into another story. Anyway, you'll see. So to go from dead fiance to me finally engaged and seven months pregnant in 2015. My fiance was watching a soccer game in the bedroom and came in the living room one night and said he heard a dog growl outside the window. 
The neighbors have no dogs, so I was like, hmm, weird. Now, flash forward a week. I was in bed asleep. My fiancé was in Georgia working. I'm a deep sleeper. Nothing is startling me. Then, 4 a.m., I'm startled awake by the deepest, scariest, demonic growl. Like, what you hear on the ghost investigation shows. My baby girl started kicking and would not calm down. I messaged a friend who was a Christian to tell me what to do. She told me a Bible verse to read saying, I rebuke Satan and all pestilence, etc. Told me to keep praying. It was 7 a.m. before I could calm down and my baby calmed down. Being as sensitive is still a learning point for me. However, my daughter was born on the same day as the Day of the Dead in Mexico. I was told she would experience paranormal too, and so she does. She has had everything to a lady humming at night and she can't sleep, to ghost cats licking her nose. My husband sees a cat jump on her bed a lot, only to find our cat Wren in our room. We have knocks on our doors, sides of the house, balls rolling in the attic with no floor, and cabinets opening behind me while my husband's in front of me talking to me. The beast in the woods has not knocked in a while, and we haven't caught him on the trail cam lately, but we don't have the cameras fixed with new memory cards either. Included is a shot of a bipedal, dome-shaped head creature measuring about 8 to 7 feet tall that we caught on the trail cams weeks apart. I will tell that story soon. Love you girls. Would love friends like you in my life. Creep on creepin', Shayna from North Carolina. Uh, we don't like no growling sounds. Unless you're like me, and sometimes you get on... That side of TikTok. What side of TikTok is that? It's people who are into primal play. Uh, I don't know how I got into it. It's probably from daddy talk. And yeah. I mean, whatever floats your boat, man. And yeah, we want to hear about that creature. You need to get some more memory cards in those trail cameras. They do be picking up some stuff. Don't <laughs> mind my voice. Just went through puberty. <laughs> Okay, the next one. Stories from South Africa. Hey, weirdos. Greetings from South Africa. I got sucked into true crime and supernatural podcasts a little while ago. Thank you, COVID lockdown. And the rest is history. I've had an interest in true crime and supernatural in general since a young age due to a hardcover encyclopedia style book on all sorts of subjects from history, science, biology, myths like Bigfoot and Loch Ness, etc. that we had on our bookshelf. And I still have it to this day. It was very controversial for South African apartheid era conservative times. Story number one. My story starts in and around 1986-ish. Due to health issues, I spent a lot of years in and out of hospital and have crazy memories of hospitals and similar unbelievable memory gaps. My earliest memories start at age four. We were living on a family farm while my parents were preparing our home in town. We grew roses and picked wild parties on the side of a mountain, which we sold at the graveyard on the weekends for extra cash. My first weird memory was playing outside the farmhouse on my tricycle while our domestic worker was inside doing, quote, domestic things. The farmhouse was butted up against the hillside wall of red clay. One minute blissfully cycling around and next the domestic worker grabbing me while screaming and running inside, dragging me under my bunk bed and there we stayed for the rest of the day. She refused to move until my parents arrived home that night. Now, while being snatched up, I faintly remember seeing something dark near my tricycle. When my parents could eventually coax her out and calm her down with sugar water, she proceeded to explain that she saw a Torkolush. In Zulu mythology, Tikloshi, Tokloshi, and lots of different words for that, is a dwarf-like water spirit. It's considered a mischievous and evil spirit. 
They're called upon by malevolent people to cause trouble for others. At its least, harmful can be used to scare children, but its power extends to causing illness or even the death of the victim. Often, Africans would prop their beds up on bricks so that the torcolash couldn't reach them as they slept. My parents to this day refuse to believe it and insist that she most likely saw a baboon or a monkey. And anyway, the torcolash only come out at night. You decide. Story number two. My second memory of that time period was sitting at home one night after dark. For whatever reason, our parents are late coming home. Oh yeah, I have a brother who's two years older than me. We're sitting on the couch in our massive lounge. I was four, everything was massive. Watching TV with our backs to the super large bay window. The domestic worker had stuck around and was in the kitchen, I think preparing dinner. We were watching Shaka Zulu, which was a series about Shaka Zulu, the African warrior. In typical style of South African storytelling, it included a witch doctor who was pretty freaky looking. This witch doctor always terrified my brother. This night was no different. If you looked out the window in the day, you would overlook an open area of field that was lower down from the main house, which eventually leads to the rose garden. On the right side was the long gravel driveway leading up to the house. At night, you would only be greeted by pitch black nothingness. We would occasionally peek over the couch to see if our parents were arriving. At this, my brother spotted a bright light making its way up the hill, swinging back and forth, and an even darker form with it. His brain went to overdrive and immediately went into panic, shouting that the witch doctor was coming. I, only being four years old, was laughing. I was not scared and kept saying, it's just Patrick, it's just Patrick. My brother would eventually blush with embarrassment. It would indeed be our farm helper, Patrick, coming to check on us with his big old paraffin lantern trudging up the hill. My next memories are from primary school of me being between the ages of five and ten. By the time the school closed its doors forever, several strange things occurred. My best friend lived across the road and we witnessed lights switching on and off at random on different floors and strange figures moving around the misty school fields. Now, we knew the groundskeeper and his twin sons and knew which night he was on duty so we could dismiss any of these occurrences being him. On rainy days, we would shut ourselves in a short passage which only had three sets of double doors, all heavy wooden doors, and we would play tag because as soon as you close the doors, it was so dark that you could only see shadows of people's feet from the light coming under the doors. Yeah, and several times kids would rip a door open only to find that everyone was pushed up in a corner and that the person that was being touched was all alone. On one of the rainy days, a few of us had snuck upstairs into the classrooms that were no longer in use and out of bounds. We would rummage through the piles of old books or fool around on the old piano. On one occasion, we heard the door to the stairwell swing open, insert creaky door opening and slamming shut. So we jumped behind the piano to hide. After a moment, the classroom door opened and closed. The piano was lifted and someone started playing the piano. I peeked ever so slowly around the piano and nothing. No one. I ducked down so quickly. The piano had stopped playing, the piano lids closed, and the classroom door opened and closed. We heard the door to the stairwell open and closed. We all ran as fast as we could, and when we got to the stairwell, looked down, no one was there. Story number four. On to the next, and definitely the scariest that was in my late teens. We moved from our childhood home into a rental for a year while my dad built his dream home. Unfortunately, from the very first night, it all went south. I was made to stay in a very small room, which could barely fit a single bed, and from it, I could see my brother's bedroom door. Around the corner was the bathroom and the double bed main room. From my bedroom was a short passage, which led to the kitchen and lounge, 
I need to clarify at this point that I've had insomnia my entire life with only brief spurts of naps. I jerked awake to see light coming up the passage from the kitchen. I called out for my dad as I could see my brother's door was closed. No one responded. Just silence. The light switched off. I heard footsteps on the carpet, but no one walked past. I lay in silence and I realized I could hear my dad snoring away. The next morning, I confirmed that no one had gotten up during the night. No one believed me. Night two. My mom was there for the night with our small dog, Maltese named Mishka. The dog was super restless. Come bedtime, just after we all settled in, the dog got up and stared at the door and it started to rattle. My dad and I got up to investigate as the dog started to bark angrily. My dad whipped open the curtain next to the door. I peeked over his shoulder. Nothing. No one. He immediately unlocked and whipped the door open and went outside. This continued for quite some time that night. My dad just shrugged it off. He was tired. What would continue from that point forward as my brother, his girlfriend, and I stayed alone in the house was regular occurrences of both the front door and back door handles rattling, shuffling footsteps, lights on and off. My brother's girlfriend also had a strange story that she would come home from work at the local market to have lunch and watch soap operas. And while sitting on the couch, would casually look out the large window to see that the front wooden gate was propped open with a big boulder and the padlock still in place, even though she always made sure it was locked when she came home. This happened regularly. On one occasion, my brother brought his large dog from work to get him to stay with us. This dog, as mean as it was, was absolutely terrified to go in the yard or the house. My brother would physically pick him up and he would run straight out or cower in fear. After six months or a year-long rental, we were glad to hear my dad was ready to move out. The home was ready for us. On the final night before we loaded up our boxes and furniture, my brother and his girlfriend settled down to watch Saving Private Ryan. I was going to my room. I had already seen it at the cinema. I had just closed my door to that teeny tiny room when I heard an ungodly loud bang above my head. I ran out of my room and stood white as a ghost staring at my brother. His girlfriend was just as ashen. He slowly turned away from the TV and looked at me. What? Me. The big bang. Brother. It was the movie. Half question, half answer. Me and the girlfriend in unison. No. My brother bolted up and ran to his bedroom and came barreling out, wielding a baseball bat and a menacing looking stick slash club and thrust one in my hand. Brother, you go out the front, I'll go out the back. We meet in the backyard and I look at the back of the house and there through the roof shingles, we saw a stream of light moving in the roof crawl space back and forth. We screamed for my brother's girlfriend to get out. We stood there staring. The light eventually went out. Moving out the next day was the most joyous moment of my life. To this day, my mom insists you were a bunch of teenagers and your imaginations were running wild. Number five, unfortunately not my own. At our work, I am a manager where we build fuel stations, work on large factories that have fuel insulations, etc. From time to time, teams need to travel out of town and stay at bed and breakfasts, hotels, small holdings. In one particular instance, our team had been staying on a small farm in the separate rooms with small kitchenettes and bathrooms. The story goes that our team leader and his assistant were in their room at night and on several nights in a row, they would experience the bathroom tap opening at random after guys would go to sleep. The bathroom light switching on while they slept and the bedroom light just switching off while the team leader was busy with his daily paperwork. By the end of the week, 
the two were starting to get annoyed because as soon as they closed the tap and laid down or switched the light on, the tap would open and the light would switch off again. On one particular night, they had gone to bed and were slowly falling asleep, but alas, they were rudely woken up when the small mini fridge door opened. One of them got up and closed the fridge door and settled in. Moments later, the door opened again and they got up and closed it and put the tiny latch on the bottom. Once again, it opened. The older of the two, quite a seasoned old African gentleman who was big and burly looking and could crack open your head with a flick of his hand, lifted his head and said in African, Gan slap ui man, ons is moig. Translation, go to sleep old man, we're tired. The door promptly closed. The next day, they both asked if we could find them alternate combinations. Got many more, but those will have to do, I suppose. Keep it real, ladies. Cheryl. Okay, hi, it's me. Uh, I'm your brother. Because I would totally have overreacted and been like, the voodoo doctor's coming to get me. And then there's Carrie saying it's Patrick. Also, when you said it's Patrick, I pictured Patrick from SpongeBob. I didn't even watch SpongeBob, but that's exactly who I went to. Also, I'm lazy when I sleep, so even if the light did flick on and off, I would just sleep. A ghost would be so mad at me. They'd be like, get the fuck up. And I'd be like, nope, just laying here. You, once you get to sleep. Yeah. You, but if it's stopping you from going to sleep, you won't go to sleep. Yeah. I'm a light sleeper at first. And like right when I'm about to wake up, I'm a light sleeper. But in that middle part, nah, I'm asleep. No, when I first fall asleep, that's all she wrote. I'm out. All right, last one. Grandma's visit. Hi, ladies. I'm a fairly new listener, and I'm so glad I found you. I'm almost your neighbor here in North Mississippi. I have so many stories to share, but we'll start with the one that means the most to me. So picture it. 1990, my college roommate and I are having the typical night of drinking and dancing to New Kids on the Block videos on MTV. She said, let's play a prank on an old friend of mine. What else do two college girls do when drunk besides drunk dialing people? Well, this person was all the way across the country in South Carolina. We were in California. So we prank called this dude. Needless to say, and thousands of dollars later, long distance charges, this dude and I got married in 1991. He moved to California, which made me enemy number one to my newly obtained monster-in-law. In addition to taking her son to the sinful state, I was not Southern. She was not my biggest fan. Our wedding was a nightmare thanks to her, which is another very long story for a later time. Fast forward to Thanksgiving 1991. My new husband and I had Thanksgiving together in Northern Cali while the rest of my family were together in the South, Southern California. That night, my grandma had severe stomach pain. It was so bad that my grandpa rushed her to the ER. After many tests and scans, it was discovered that there was a spot on her stomach, so she was admitted. They were going to have to do surgery to biopsy it, which was done a day or two later. When they opened her up, the cancer had basically eaten her stomach, liver, pancreas, and much more. The doctors closed her back up and broke the news to my grandpa, mom, and aunt. The doctor said that they could do treatment, which would give her another six months or so, but that was about it. My husband and I rushed down to see her and to be with family at this difficult time. My grandma decided to forego the treatment because she didn't want her last days to be in sickness from the treatment. In the meantime, my husband and I had made plans to fly to South Carolina to be with his family for Christmas. Remember, his mom had just ruined my wedding this past March. This was not a trip I was looking forward to. 
With my grandma's news, I didn't want to go. I was afraid to leave. My grandma told me that I needed to go because it was the right thing to do. I cried telling her that I didn't want to leave her. She said she would see me when I got back. Fast forward again, my trip was absolutely miserable. His family threw what they call a pig picking, which is a barbecue that included a whole pig on the grill and you go by and pick off what you want to eat. Everyone was there. His family, extended family, friends and neighbors and me, the Antichrist from California. During this party, the phone rang and someone came to get me because it was my mom. When I got the phone, she was crying. I thought my grandma had died, but she told me that wasn't the case. But the person who answered the phone had called her the bitch mother of the California skank. Nice folks, huh? Anywho, my mom had called to tell me that grandma had taken a turn for the worse and was in the hospital on pain management. No hurry because she was stable, but she thought I should know. I hung up from her and looked at my husband who had followed me into the house. I looked at him and I said, I want to go home. These people are horrible and I hate it here. He asked what was wrong and I told him what they did. He was angry. My monster-in-law came in and told him to shut up that I was being ridiculous. And what she said next will blow your minds. She said to me, grow up, sweetie. Your grandmother isn't the first to die and she won't be the last. I mean, what the fuck? What kind of person does that? We tried to get flights out, but because of the holiday, there weren't many options and what was available was way out of our reach money-wise. So we stayed and tried to not kill someone. On New Year's Eve, we boarded our plane. We had a layover in LA. When we were switching planes, I told my husband that I had a really bad feeling and wanted to call my mom. He said we would miss our plane. We'd call when we landed in Sacramento. I begged him to let me call. The feeling got worse. I said, let's just get off here, rent a car, and go see Grandma. I didn't want to leave. He said we should go home and drive down the next weekend to see her. Reluctantly and with a very heavy heart, I boarded the plane. When we landed in Sacramento, it was too late to call, so we didn't. We drove home to Paradise. Yes, we lived in a place called Paradise. When we got home, there was a message on the machine to call my mom. I called right away and was told that my grandma had passed while we were on our flight to Sacramento. I was broken. I was so devastated. I was so overwhelmed that I didn't realize that I knew it when we were in LA and begged to go see her. We drove down the next day to be with the family. Her memorial was hard for everyone as they always are. That was January 3rd or the 4th. After everything was done, we said goodbye and drove back home. On January the 6th, I was asleep in bed. My husband was next to me, snoring as usual. I woke up because I heard my grandma's voice and felt someone or something brushing my hair away from my forehead as my grandma and mom always did to kiss me goodnight. I said, Grandma, you can't be here. What are you doing? She said, I came to tell you that you're pregnant and I'm excited because it's a girl. I said, that's not true. I'm not pregnant. She said, yes, you are. And it's a girl. And I said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I didn't get to say goodbye and I love you. And she said, no need to say goodbye. Life is a cycle. And she was gone. I chalked it up to a dream that just felt real. February 28th, 1992. Yep, the pregnancy test was positive. I was pregnant. I flashed back to my grandma's visit and was blown away. My husband was just as blown away with the news. October 20th, 1992, Savannah Francis was born. Francis was my grandma's name. Yes, it was a girl just like she had told me. So I gave her my grandma's name. Made it her middle name though, because truly in 1992, who wanted to be called Francis? I kept my grandma's visit a secret until then because I wasn't sure if I was touched in the head or if it truly happened. What do you think? 
Thanks for reading my tale. I have many more, like the one where a high priestess visits me in dreams with messages for my best friend. I'll share soon. Thanks for making my life a little bit better with laughter. Love y'all. Creep it real. Dory. Yes, like the fish. Just keep swimming. Pretty sure that was my ringtone on my very first flip phone. I saw a TikTok and it said, do you remember when we were in high school, we paid for ringtones and now the phone is kept on silent or, you know, like all the things. And I'm like, that is so fucking true. Not me. I keep my phone on, but Tiffany and Carrie, their phone's on silent. That's what the cool kids do. Mm, I guess so. Your mother-in-law or monster-in-law, like you said, whoa. And who answered the phone and said that to your mom? Like they probably answered the phone and somebody said, who is it? And they're like putting it down to go get her Mm -hmm. and was like that blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's awful. Why are people so angry about people based on where they're from too? Right? I'm telling you, I am like so thankful for my in-laws. My freaking mother-in-law, when I was sick this weekend and couldn't go with Colby to their house, and it's been a little while since we've been, which is unlike us, but I was sick and couldn't go. And she made me a to-go plate because she always cooks like Sunday dinner and stuff when we go. And she like wrote a note on the top of it that said she loved me. Also, there was a lot of grandmas and grandpas in these stories. And uh, this episode comes out on my anniversary, which means tomorrow is the anniversary of my dad's death. And we had a story about a dad who called their daughter baby girl. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you all so much for sending in these stories. Keep them coming. You can send them in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.